0: Hello my name is Gary and my name is Simon and this is episode 10 of EV Musings, a podcast about electric vehicles and things that are interesting to electric vehicle owners. On our podcast today we'll be continuing our series on specific electric vehicles. Over the next few weeks we'll take time to focus on one electric car per episode. We'll talk about the history of the car, the specs, the price, performance etc. We'll also talk about the pros and cons of each car and who we think the starter audience is for that. We've recently spoken about the BMW i3, and if you missed that episode, the link is in the show notes. We'll be talking over the coming weeks about the iPACE, the Leaf, the Zoe, the Kona, and the e Each episode, we'll have a few words, hopefully, from an actual owner discussing the day-to-day ownership experience, so stay tuned for those. Before we get started, though, I want to ask you, Simon, did you see the recent note about BP Chargemaster putting their prices up on the Polar Network?
1: Yeah so at the time of this recording I'd seen it like probably most of everyone through a Twitter or Facebook feed of some kind today I'd like to say I'm surprised I'm not I think it was only a matter of time I suppose the only my I've got concern about possibly this way this could go but uh, yeah it's it's interesting that they were the first people to make the first
0: move I mean looking at what they're talking about I mean it's good and bad they're yeah. adding contactless to yes. Everything which is which great is great. I mean, I love that. I love the fact that they've also got the one hundred and fifty kilowatt charger prices structure, and that you can get that on polar plus yeah, and it's not great. actually that bad it isn't, but you know if you look at it in terms of the change from what we 've got at the moment, you know. Mm for example let's say we take 20 kilowatt hours of energy into your i3 on polar plus at the moment that will cost two pounds and 16 pence yeah in future on contactless it will cost six pounds on the 50 kilowatt chargers and for the 150 kilowatt chargers it will cost eight pounds that's a hell of a big jump between the current prices and the potential future prices just for the privilege of contactless.
1: Yeah, I I, I kind of, I suppose I was expecting this coming from the 150 kilowatt upwards at some point because we've we've always had what was known as the luxury of 50 kilowatts and that was, Mm -hmm. you know, that was amazing, wasn't it? Um, Mm -hmm. But yeah, I, I don't know, there was something about it that kind of gave me the feeling that as soon as these big mega kind of fast charging things came along that that's when we'd see the price hike. I was surprised I suppose that I saw it from them first. I was we we'll just put some like Shell or, you know, some of these ones where they're they're predominantly on the four cores, which I suppose this is what this is targeting, some of these one hundred and fifty. so.
0: Overall, this strikes me as being a little bit too much all at once. Firstly, I think that, you know, with my Soul, the chances of me using a 150-kilowatt charger more than once, other than as a novelty, will be quite small, because at the, even now I rarely spend more than 15 or 20 minutes at a charger anyway. Yeah. And with the charging curve on my Soul, the 150-kilowatt speed... You know, I'm not going to hit that too often. I mean, I'm I'm only going to hit a maximum of 80 anyway, because that's all my car can take. But, you know, I'm only going to be up there for a few minutes before it starts to tail off anyway. So, you know, when you look at drivers of larger battery vehicles, you know, the I-Pace and the Kona, this could dramatically increase their charging costs quite considerably over a month. You know, we've always said on this podcast that the current low rates for charging, they're unsustainable if we want a larger rollout of infrastructure. And this is simply those market forces in action. It's not welcome, but it certainly isn't unexpected. Indeed. Now onto our feature topic. Imagine you haven't yet bought your new EV. You're still looking at buying, but you've made your mind up that an EV will be the next car. How do you decide which one to buy? Well, As we've said before, each choice is different and obviously personal. But what we want to do over the next few weeks is to look at the major EVs currently for sale on the market and talk about each one individually. At the end of the series, we'll compare them all in a review where we identify the market segments the EVs currently fill and more importantly, where these gaps still exist. This week, we're talking about the Kia Soul EV or the ESoul as it's often called not to be mispronounced. <laughs> it's a personal favourite of mine, purely because I own and run one, so a little later on we'll be talking about the ownership experience. And the details that we talk about at the moment will relate to the current version of the model, as at the time of this recording, uh, July 2019. In a few months' time, the new updated version will come out with completely different figures than the ones detailed here. We'll get, we may get round to doing that when that is released in the uk but first some facts and figures
1: the Soul is a compliance car it was created by kia to allow them to sell cars in the us as it bought the whole co2 profile of the fleet down to a level acceptable in places such as california but i don't let that fool you it's actually quite an accomplished little vehicle
0: it is indeed the current version has a 31.8 kilowatt hour battery with 30 kilowatts usable the 2020 year model, which is actually available in parts of Europe but not yet in the UK as of July 2019, will have the same running gear as the e in other words a 39kWh battery usable or a 64kWh battery usable. In the UK, the 31.8kWh sole comes in three colour schemes. Blue with a white roof, otherwise known as the Smurf. White with the light blue roof, otherwise known as the nurse, and the silver grey, which is the boring option that I've got. <laughs> on the continent, there are other colour schemes available, and this does bring up a point about the sole that annoys me, and we'll get to that later on. So
1: let's look at the price. So the 2018 sole, which is £26,000. Uh, 2020 sole, 39 kilowatt hour at £28,000. That's uh, for a twenty-five percent bigger battery, and then we've got the twenty-twenty Sol sixty-four kilowatt hour, and that's thirty-three thousand seven hundred ninety-five pounds for over double the battery. So um, this price range is high for what you get on the basis of the price maximum range. It works out at two hundred twenty-six per mile for the thirty-one point eight kilowatt hour model. The newer model works out around 146 pounds per mile based on the estimated 230 mile range from the 63 kilowatt hour model. In reality this range will be much higher. The Hyundai Kona which has a similar size battery is currently seeing a range of 300 miles in good weather with very little trouble. So onto the battery. So the 2018 Soul has a cooled 31.8 kilowatt hour battery with a 30 kilowatt hour usable. The cooling is especially useful as it allows the vehicle to rapid charge numerous times with no appreciable loss of charging speed. Other cars in this price range don't have that feature and it has caused issues with these cars on longer runs. And we'll talk about charging shortly.
0: But let's talk about range to start with, which is always a key thing with uh, EVs. The official certified range for this vehicle is 115 miles, but I can tell you from personal experience that during the summer months, a real-life range of 125 miles is quite easily achievable. During the winter, it does drop quite a lot, and you'll get 98 to 100, 105, depending on how hard you drive it or how cold it is.
1: So my issue with range is that it's just a moving target. Temperature, terrain, weather, it's all a bit of a crapshoot, really. The better thing to look at, in my opinion, is efficiency. This is a measure of how far the car will go on a given amount of power. So the measure is miles basically or watts per mile depending on what your car shows and generally the lower the figure per mile the better and the higher the figure per kilowatt the better. Energy consumption. A good figure for this vehicle is around 4.5 miles per kilowatt hour in the summer and 3.5 miles per kilowatt hour in the winter. If you've charged the battery overnight and it's warm, these figures will be higher, obviously.
0: Now, I know none of us are boy racers and we're not buying EVs so we can hack around racetracks at great speed. Until Elon brings out the uh, the new version of the Roadster. With the rocket propelled engines. Indeed. (laughs) But it's always good to see what the Soul is capable of. Unfortunately, the Soul is very much not a boy racer. Uh, 0-60 of 11.2 seconds, which is nowhere near as good as the i3 that we reviewed last week. The initial bump up to about 30 miles an hour is quite good, but it tails off very quickly after that. The top speed is about 89 or 90 miles an hour. Obviously, the newer versions will have different figures for that, and we'll cover those when that one comes out. It's powered by a single 81 kilowatt front-mounted motor, pushing out 210.2 foot-pounds of torque which is 285 newton metres in old money, or new money. I forget which one is which <laughs> There we go. The other thing I like to check out with EVs is the actual setup of the charging itself. And we talked about the mechanics of charging in episode six. So we're going to discuss the specifics about the Soul. The current version of the Soul uses CHAdeMO for DC fast charging. It will charge to 80 kilowatts maximum, given a range of around 300 miles of range per hour. For home charging, it uses a standard Type 1 connector, not Type 2, with a maximum onboard charge rate of 6.6 kilowatts AC. This equates to about 13 miles of charge per hour. The charging curve is quite aggressive on high speed charging, with the top rates experienced up to around 75% state of charge, and then the figure dropping down shortly after that. The secret that this car has is that despite having a similar battery size to the 30kWh Leaf, the battery cooling and the charge curve means it can charge to a given state of charge a lot quicker than the equivalent Leaf car. In fact, it's superior to the 30kWh Leaf in quite a lot of ways. It's not perfect, however, and we'll get to that in a moment.
1: From an equipment point of view, this is monetary, well-specced. Cruise control, but not adaptive, air conditioning, a nice speaker system, heated seats, Heated steering wheel and flashy lights that illuminate round the front speakers in time with the beat of the music, Apple carplay and Android auto come as standard, and the screen is clear, well lit, and big. One big thing that this vehicle has uh, that puts it head and shoulders above the thirty kilowatt leaf is that it has battery cooling when charging at eighty kilowatts. This is essential. It also has an onboard heat pump which heats the vehicle quicker in winter than using a normal capacitive heater. This saves battery too.
0: There are one or two little design quirks with this vehicle. There is no app for it. This means you have to set the preconditioning using the onboard system settings while you're actually sitting in the car. It's not a problem for first thing in the morning in winter but when you're sitting in a nice air-conditioned office in summer and you know you're getting into a hot Kia Soul in 30 minutes to go home it would be really nice to start the air conditioning and have the car cool when you get in. In the US version, and presumably the Korean version of this car, there is integration with an app, but outside these two countries, there isn't. Even Canada doesn't have the app. Seems like a prime opportunity for someone to come in and sort this problem out. In fact, the UK spec for the soul is rather limited when it comes to certain aspects. The North American spec has a panoramic sunroof and heated and ventilated front seats. The European spec has similar and larger range of colours to choose from. The UK spec has just the three colours we mentioned earlier, no sunroof and only heated seats but not ventilated or cooled. There are a few switches and buttons that are positioned weirdly. For example, if you want to switch off the heated steering, the button is on the driver's side of the steering wheel but it's actually obscured by the steering wheel itself. Thus, you need to take your eyes off the road, crane your neck around to the right to see the button to actually switch it off. Those of you who listen regular t- regularly to this podcast will know that the next item pleases me tremendously. It has an analogue button to open the <laughs> huge glove compartment. I'm pretty sure there are a community of borrowers living in mine. It's that cavernous. There are funky coloured lights around the speakers, as we mentioned earlier. They look really good, but they don't really serve any use unless you think of holding a disco in your car. And they're a bit of a waste of time and money from that point of view. The gear lever is an old-fashioned physical gear lever. There's no buttons to press or knobs to switch or levers to pivot as some of the more modern EVs have got. The reversing camera leaves something to be desired. It's fairly low resolution, a very wide angle, so it does distort distance a lot. And it gets obscured very easily in bad weather due to the airflow over the box-shaped rear.
1: Similar vehicles in uh, in terms of range and price, Nissan Leaf 30 and the Renault Zoe R1.
0: Yeah, I think that's a, a fairly good uh, comparison. Yeah. So, in summary, the current Soli Levy quirky car with looks that can divide people. It's a little bit Marmite, you'd love it or hate hmm. it. It's got huge headroom and storage space. It can charge quickly, it's comfortable, and it's very cheap to run. The design can put many people off, but almost without exception, sole owners love their cars. Let's wrap it up by seeing if there's some cool EV or renewable thing you've come across that we can share with our listeners.
1: I've uh, I've got into, as probably many ev owners and drivers have um, i normally watch the formula e racing uh, when it's on and if you don't know what that is take formula one as you know and love remove the engines put an insane speedy electric drive trains in them now for most that i've heard about this it takes some getting used to as there's obviously no engine noise but the action is dramatic if not more so and what i love about this all the races are done in cities and not racetracks, means you get more of an exciting and unpredictable race. The reason why I bring this up is that next year Formula E is actually coming to London in the UK. I've registered my interest for the tickets and should be a lot of fun. And we'll put the details below if you want to do the same. But it should be an absolute blast.
0: And I believe there are two races that are running on consecutive days. Yeah, it's the last two races of the season next season. And it's an indoor and outdoor course. Yeah, isn't
1: it? yeah. So, um, f- from the details I've read and what they've released so far, is that part of the course is indoor, so they'll have stands inside in in part of the, obviously the track, and the cars go through the inside part, so like people inside can view it. I've never been Formula One racing or anything like that, and this just just sounds amazing.
0: Seriously tempted to go to at least one of those races, definitely.
1: Yeah, definitely.
0: My cool thing is BIC for EVs. BIK, B-I-K, is the benefit-in-kind payment that the government levies on anything provided as a benefit or part of your salary. It is effectively a a way they have of taxing things such as company cars. The UK government recently announced that in order to improve the uptake of electric vehicles, they are reducing the benefit-in-kind payment on EVs to zero in April 2020. Her Majesty's Treasury has said that for cars first registered from April the 6th, 2020, most company car tax rates will be reduced by two percentage points, which means that for pure electric vehicles with zero tailpipe emissions, company car drivers will be taxed at zero percent, paying no big tax at all. Nice. Just as uh, an example, to put this in context, if you have a Tesla Model 3... You will pay zero BIK on it, but a comparable, for example, BMW 2 Series Coupe 225D M Sport with emissions of 124 grams per mile will pay a whopping 29% tax on uh, an assessable charge of £10,527 according to HMRC figures. So, in other words, the tax on that is going to be £3,052. Every year In other words Not only will running an EV Save you money It'll also reduce Your tax bill That's, a, that's another win For EVs really Isn't it <laughs> 100% Or 0% In this case 0% <laughs> Touche And that's our show For today Hope you enjoyed Listening to it If you want to contact us Simon is at The EV side On Twitter and YouTube And I'm The Real Gary C On Twitter This podcast itself Also has a Twitter feed at musings ev and we regularly tweet out interesting articles in the ev space if you're wanting a quick reference ebook to read on your kindle i wrote a little something called so you've gone electric it's available on amazon worldwide for the measly sum of 99p or equivalent and it's a great little introduction to living with an electric car links for everything we've talked about in the podcast today are in the description if you enjoyed this podcast please subscribe we're available on itunes spotify stitcher or wherever you get your podcasts. If you're into watching podcasts on YouTube, these episodes all get downloaded there approximately 24 hours after they're released to iTunes. So check them out too. The link's also below. Please leave a review or a comment and let us know what you like or don't like about the show. Thanks for listening. Bye.